Psychology in Seattle. So, Berto, uh, some people have some short questions for us, Ooh. and I thought we would answer in a long-form, narcissistic <laughs> way like, like, like we usually like do. Like we usually do. Let's this, do it. <laughs> this is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist, a professor, and I frequently suffer from allergies, which causes me to walk around with these handkerchiefs where I blow my nose all the time. My name is Umberto Castaneda, and I just started a new business selling handkerchiefs. <laughs> and I love, love talking about short questions that users, especially patrons, ask us. So, famous patron Lyndon asks, uh, what is a skill you thought you were good at that you realized you suck at? <laughs> so, this one's going to be funny because I don't technically suck at it, but, but by relative degrees. So, and this might surprise you, video games. Okay, so... When I was a kid, I thought I was good at video games, right? Like what? Uh, like in, uh, in Colombia, I had this little game called Canyon Climber for the color computer, and you just had to jump these arrows and then jump these other arrows and then jump these little mountains. And I was like, oh, my God, I can get to the so, – because the, it gets faster every level. And I was like, I can get so fast, and I would really get in the zone. I'm like, doom, 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 you know, like that kind of thing. And I just thought, I'm so good at this. And then, uh, you know, then I moved up to the States and I remember uh, the first time I found out I sucked at video games is I, I'm over at my friend Paul's house and he's showing me his Nintendo and I've never seen a Nintendo. He's like, oh yeah. And so he pulls out this game called Contra. You, mu- you remember Contra, right? Yeah. Okay. So he puts Contra in and he's like, all right, you'll be the red dude. I'll be the blue dude. Okay. And I'm just like going and I get killed like instantly. And I'm like, oh, it's okay. It's, I'm just learning the controls. And then we keep going, and I get killed again. And then he puts in the code for like 30 lives, okay? But he Had goes... Had you played Contra before? No, I never played it. So you thought you were good at all video games. I just thought, I'm a great video game player. <laughs> yeah. And so they're sitting there going, and he goes through... Like, I start going through all my 30 lives, and then he, there's this ability where he can donate lives to me. So I go through all my 30 lives. He donates 29 of his 30 lives. I still die. And then he goes on to finish the game by himself. And I'm sitting there like, oh boy. Okay. I'm not very good at video games. So one, <laughs> you played one video game well and you well, thought. I mean, I played the little video games I had by myself in my little yeah. bubble. <laughs> I think I can relate to that. I think there was a time, because this is before the internet, right? right? So you're comparing yourself to people around you, yeah. right? Which in, in my bubble in Colombia was me and my dad, I guess. Yeah, I mean, me and like my little brother and my friends who uh, didn't really have my my family always had like the systems before any like I don't I pretty I probably told you this before I got a Nintendo for Christmas or me and my little brother got a Nintendo for Christmas the year it came out so it was NES was, oh right was that re- year for Christmas for like, that Christmas right wow. it, was, it was released like that November or something what it come with Duck Hunt and came Super with Mario Duck Brothers Hunt and Super Mario Brothers yeah. and maybe that was it and well I think the Duck Hunt you had to buy separate with the gun right yeah um, but Super Mario I think was the one it came with and when I when my, when they pulled it out of the box I'm looking at it and I'm like what is this and my mom's like you don't understand that, you know, this stuff is selling out of the mall. Like, it was hard to get one of these. Yeah. You should really understand this. <laughs> and me and my little brother are looking at it like, huh? huh? Because all we knew was Atari. Right. 
So I was looking at this thing, and it didn't even make any sense. The shape was different. The yeah. cartridges are totally weird. Well, even it, for the first five seconds, I was like, I don't even understand what you're. I don't even understand what I'm looking at. What is that? Yeah, yeah. Like it didn't occur to me that there would ever be another console because right. the Atari. Because I didn't grow up with like. I think you grew up with other systems or something. Like you had, no. a, you had the idea that there were other systems, like the color computer. Oh, because I was into computers and read the magazines and all those things, but right. I didn't own all those. Systems. But you read the mag. Like to yeah. me, I I'd seen Commodore sixty fours. So I think I'd seen Apple IIe's or yeah. something. But to me, Pretty anyway, much like Atari was the home system. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I was you know pretty good compared to my little brother, and compared to all my friends who didn't have the system. Right. And so I can kind of relate to that in terms of this notion that you know you think you're pretty good and then you actually well the other but i think the reason why i always knew i wasn't very good was i went to i love going to arcades oh like actual arcades with street fighter and things like that yeah or i guess at that time it would have been pac-man and right uh asteroids and exactly and red baron which i loved yeah and uh that tank battle game um i can't remember what that game called warzone or maybe and it was like stick uh yeah and I realized because I would watch other players and I was like, whoa, yeah. like that guy on Pac-Man is like really good. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think I learned that way that, okay, I'm just good in my house. Anyway. Right. Right. And so like you had, you had quicker exposure to other people. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, the skill I thought I was good at, but then later realized that I sucked at was, was dancing. Oh, so, I, I never thought I was a w- awesome dancer, but growing up in a white neighborhood, uh-huh. being even slightly brown <laughs> myself, I was maybe I don't know if that was it or or I, I my dad has pretty good rhythm. I don't and I'm a musician growing up, so maybe I by the you know you start to dance around um, when you're in in in, in middle school, middle school yeah. junior high, seventh grade was when I went to my first dances, dance, yeah. yeah. And I feel like uh, I remember getting compliments from other people mm. like, oh, you're a good dancer. And then uh-huh. as time went on, uh, I just – I think it's rare that someone will come up to you and say you're a good dancer. Right. You know, if you're at a club and you're just dancing like everyone else, you're 21 years old, people don't really come up to you and say, eh, you're good. You know, you got some good moves. They, you know, they just talk to you. And to if, me, they do. <laughs> and, and, it, and if you're a bad dancer, right. they're not going to say anything. Right. You know, because no one's really paying attention anyway. Right, really. right, right. But I had this early experience where I probably was at least a little better than the average, you uh-huh. know, dance. And I kind of took it more seriously than a lot of the other boys did, too. <laughs> okay. And I, it just became a thing. I just believe I'm a good dancer. And so fast forward to... I'm dancing with with my wife at a club, when, yeah. you know, and I'm uh, just and I'm getting more into it, you know. <laughs> like, there's a certain point in the night where you're just like, okay, I'm not just going to sit here and you're really of, committing. I'm I'm going to really like let the arms flail. Yeah. I'm going to let the knees go up. I'm going to let the hips go. Make a little love. Yeah, get down tonight. <laughs> yeah, and she, she says to me something. I can't remember when it was, but she says to me like. Um, like she just says something like, "Wow, like your legs are getting real high," ah. or, or, 
or something like that. And part of it was I was sort of making a joke dance where it okay. was I was like kicking really high and okay. stuff. But then fast forward like I don't know months later we're at another club and she uh-huh. says something to me and she says something like I can't remember what she said but it was something that was in, in that indicated to me that she was not impressed with my dancing. <laughs> oh no. And I didn't have a tremendous amount of pride about yeah. it, but in my head, it just I had this working model that oh my I was okay. You know, right. I, I right. could I could hold my own. I don't know. Kids, when I was a kid, told me I was great. Right. What <laughs> and then, like fast forward, like months go by, months go by, and I hear a few other because she's not really being overt about right. it. And then at a certain point, I turned to her and I was like, "Do you think I'm a shitty dancer?" Because <laughs> oh, no. in my head, I'm like, because in my head, I'm uh. like. You're, you know, because I, I, I felt an injustice. Like, right. how come you're being unfair to me right. about something that I'm clearly really good at? Like, clearly you were just joking, but now you're joking again. Wait, wait a minute. What's yeah. going on? Like, how come you're being a dick, you know? And and <coughs> she's a pretty nice person. Like, right. she, she's not someone that is mean, you know? Although and, she tends to be straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she doesn't lie. Let's speak yeah. that way. And so I'm like, I'm like, I'm like... Do you think I'm a shitty dancer? And, and what I'm, what I'm, what I'm expecting to get is no. like, no, 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 sweetie, no, you're a great you're dancer, so good. I, well, not so much that, <laughs> but just like, no, you're, you're, you, you're a good dancer. You're better than average. And uh, I was just being a dick or whatever. Right. But what she said was like, well, you know. Now, Stacy, <laughs> my wife, grew up like years of dancing. Uh-huh. You know, like from the age of six through twenty or right. something. Or seventeen hardcore dance classes, yeah. all the different things, and and as an adult, actually, she recently took dance classes as well. She did tap dancing. She's done performances and stuff. Wow, yeah. I mean, she's not super confident about it, but but she's you know. So this she's is somebody above the average, right? She right. knows what she's doing, and I guess she knows how to evaluate some schlub like me. And so, so she's so. Long story short, she's she basically. And and then I checked in with her a few other times. Uh-huh. I was like, wait, so like months later, I was like, yeah. so let me get this straight. So you think I'm a? And then at a certain point, I started asking her, so am I not a good dancer? Like oh, at, a cer- no. at a certain point, it just sort of clicked Escalated. in in my head. <laughs> and it took me probably a good couple of years oh to to really like adjust to this notion <laughs> that. I suck at dancing. The new reality. Oh no. <laughs> well, let me you you, I, you and I have danced in, yeah. in the same room. What do you what do you, total honesty. I just think you're a white guy. <laughs> Listen, no honesty. I am serious. Like I had the opposite experience in this because of this. I'm going to say, look, I came from a place where growing up in Colombia, I I started dancing late. And by the time I started dancing, I was fifth, I was 14, and a lot of my schoolmates knew how to dance. And I felt like I was shit. I didn't know these moves. What do I do? And it was expected Me, that you knew how to do Columbia dancing. No, no, no. That's what I hadn't learned yet. And all the oh, kids. Were, I thought you said all the kids in Columbia learned how to dance. Yeah, eventually. I just didn't. My dad didn't teach me, and like my dad doesn't really dance, so oh. I was behind the curve. Oh. But at fourteen, or let's say no, no, it couldn't have been fourteen. Probably thirteen. At thirteen, my cousin and her friends start teaching me how to dance. And it was like, at first I was like seven left feet, you know? And I'm like, oh my God. And so eventually I'm like, I got decent enough at merengue and I could sort of halfway maybe understand what they were doing with salsa, but I couldn't really dance it. And then I moved. So when I moved up here and I would go to dances, 
me and my buddy Ty, we would dance new wave style, looking, you know, like with our hands and really weird. And we didn't mind we were the only two people dancing on the damn dance floor. But as far as I was concerned, I'm like, yeah, I realize I suck at dancing, but I just love movement, man. And then years go by. And all of a sudden, I'm like in college and I'm out dancing. And then something changes because, you know, like people I'm dancing with, especially like girls or something, they're like, oh, you really can dance. And I'm like, what? Well, compared to Americans. Exactly. All of a sudden, I realize, oh, I actually have rhythm and I can move my hips and I can do all these like funky moves. I don't really, I'm not a great dancer by technical standpoint. I don't know like many moves. I don't dance yeah, ballroom but, or any of that shit. Okay. But for, so when I compare myself to you, I'm like, not, you're no, a white no, dude. No, don't compare. <laughs> don't, you come from, you know, Latin America, right. which is like completely another category. Well, what I'm saying is to me, you don't look any worse or uh, worse, not even the right word. To me, when I see you dancing on the dance floor, it's sort of indistinguishable from the next dude dancing on the dance floor. But like it, but a lot of the guys dancing on dance floors are not average guys, right? Like average guys. So am I like an average, you know, cause I like, think so like average guys, but I mean, I don't see that many, like, okay. Depends on the dance floor because like, usually if it's like a gringo dance dance floor, it's just a lot of guys just kind of won't. Boom, 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 and moving their arms a little bit. Yeah. So I don't usually see a lot of great dancing to begin with. Right. And I, by the way, I'm not like a great American dancer. Yeah. I just add a little bit of Latin thing in there, right? Yeah. And so for someone that's not from there, it might look like a little exotic or something. But someone who really knows how to dance on a dance floor is fairly rare. Right. So <laughs> I, I really want to drill down on it, and I'm yeah. totally okay with either answer. Yeah. So when we would go to C Sound, for example, uh, we would dance right. on the dance floor. And so there would be, well, let's say there's three categories of guys. Yeah. There were the guys who were really good, which were very rare. Rare. And probably, yeah. maybe like you wouldn't really see any, maybe like someone who seems to have like a really good kind of movement of their hips, you know, right. they, they really know how to kind of get their groove going, <laughs> and, you know. And then you have the second tier, which is like, uh, there's a large percentage of yeah. people like that who are, they're like, they're competent. Right. Uh, they don't look like a fool. Right. Um, and they're, and you know, they are respectable. They, they're, they're trying things. Right. And it doesn't look stupid. No, no one is actually noticing that much. Because there's, and then there's another in. category of dancers on the dance floor yeah. at C-Sound who are really just shouldn't be on the dance floor. No, like, no, no. Like, I know those people and I've been that person at the wrong time with the am wrong I, amount am of Am I that call. person? No, no. Okay. Because I think my wife sees me <laughs> as, as, as that, person. that person. But to her, from her perspective, a lot of people might be that person. <laughs> you know? Because I feel like I'm in the category where I can, you know, I can pass for a... For someone on the dance floor. <laughs> for a, a house music dancer. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. I mean, like when I go to Columbia and we go out dancing... I'm one of the shittiest dancers <laughs> because like, like my cousins, for example, especially my, my uh, cousin Sergio, oh my gosh, he moves like butter, you know? I don't know. You look pretty good to me. Yeah. But in Colombia, it's like a different level. <laughs> so do you have any other skills you thought you were good at, but that later realized you sucked? Uh, well, actually, so the, the reverse there was kind of dancing in a way, but, but in a weird way. Um, yeah, I, I'd say... There, there's one more for sure that comes to mind. So I used to think I was really good at reading. <laughs> I know it sounds funny. Like I just thought, <clears throat> man, I'm an amazing reader. Like when I was in high school, I would read all these like uh, uh, 
uh, books like Jurassic Park and a lot of Michael Crichton, right? Like, and I would, and I was learning about speed reading. So I'd like do a little, you know, do a little speed reading and stuff. And I'm like, man, I'm just so good as a reader. Amazing. Um, and then, you know, like I get into college and, and I'm, I'm actually like so frustrated. I'm like, God damn it. I'm not very good at reading. It takes me forever. I have to like go back and reread. And, and then I just kind of like, I'm at best like an average reader and I might be a sub average reader because it, it, I read slowly. So I'm like an average reader, maybe below average, but like, you know, like I have friends that are like basically almost speed readers and they, they have great comprehension, right? I feel I have great comprehension, but I take my time. So I, and in my adult years, I found out, no, no, I'm not like, a great reader. I'm like at best a normal reader. <laughs> so and actually kind of slow. Uh, as you're talking uh, as a uh, sort of another thing that was like this, that I'm reminded of that I want to talk about is that when I was young, I was extremely tall. So this isn't oh, something I was good at, this, yeah. but I think, I think it relates to how early experiences can sort of lock in a self-perception, right. a self-working model. And without, enough data really coming at you later <laughs> on, you just sort of retain that working model in the same way that if you're abused growing up, you sort of right. retain the working model that the world is a scary place and that you deserve to be punished and all that kind of stuff. Well, I was gargantuan compared to my <laughs> classmates when I was a kid. Right. I, I was routinely either the tallest kid in my class or this, or like a really close to the tallest kid. And all of my friends were, you know, very short compared to me. When I played baseball, I'd walk up to the plate. You know, this is like, you know, uh, seventh, eighth grade or something. I'd walk up to the plate and the opposing coach would be like, back up, back up. Here comes Onda. Here comes a big boy, you know. And when I played football, I just dominated when uh -huh. I was like seventh, eighth, ninth grade. Because uh, I was, I was Huge. Like yeah. imagine playing football against kids your own age and right. you're a full foot and <laughs> 50 pounds right. on most of the other players. Yeah. You just, there were, I would play football. I would, they'd give me the ball. Guys would be hanging on me and I'd just be carrying them down the field. <laughs> you know? Right. And, and, and when I went to tackle someone, it was like, I just consumed them. Right. You know? I was just a monster. And so... Um, I was, you know, at a time. So that was your self-image was like, I'm a giant. I'm a, I'm a gross giant. Like, cause when you're, when you're in the seventh and eighth grade, you just want to fit in. Oh, true. You don't want to be the tall. Standing out is kind of odd. Yeah. You don't want to be the tall weirdo. Mm. So I'm walking around in junior high, middle school, and I'm trying not to stick out. Yeah. So I'm kind of slouching a little oh. bit, you know, <laughs> not entirely, but I'm not, I'm not proud of being a, a giant, right. a monster. I mean, there were kids in my class, and particularly younger, who when they saw me, they would run out of fear. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, they'd just be like, oh, my God. That's hilarious. Because, you know, you just have this notion like this Frankenstein's come, you know, <laughs> coming up to you. And it didn't feel good. So, oh, my gosh. You know, it wasn't a great feeling, but there were pros for sure. <laughs> but anyway, so I just had this working model that I was this giant. And so fast forward, you know, seven, eight years. And meanwhile, I started slowing down. I'm, I, I got up to about 6'1". Yeah. 
Which is tall. Which is tall, but not... But it's not a giant. <laughs> right. I mean, 6'3", then you're starting to get into yeah. where people go, whoa, that dude's tall. 6'1", not a lot of people are like, whoa, you're tall. Yeah. You're, you're just like on the tall side of average, yeah. you know? And so, but I totally retained this notion that I was a, that <laughs> that I was a giant. giant. And so one thing happened... There's two phenomena that happen still at my age of 48. One is, is that when I... When I'm around people, I just assume that I'm taller than them. Uh, like, because I just have this assumption that right. people are shorter than me. And occasionally I'll be around someone who's my height or taller. And I just, there's times in my mind when I'm talking to them and I'm looking up at them and I'm like, what's, Why am I what's, up? what's wrong with this situation? Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, that person is taller than me. <laughs> and then I think... Well, yeah, there's plenty of people taller than me, but there's the other scenario happens, and you've actually done this to me. Do you know what I'm going to say? Uh, I'm not sure. Is I'll be so most of life you're sitting around uh-huh. uh, or walking. You're not just standing, you know, erect right. and talking or taking a picture standing next to someone. And this has happened with you, and it's happened with other people where. They will look at me and they'll be like, shit, you're tall. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like you said that to yeah. me once or twice. Yeah. You, you were like, I thought we were the same height, but you're right. clearly taller than me. Right, right, right. Like, and, and you're not just kind of, you're <laughs> okay. like, you're quite a bit taller than I me. I actually, okay, so parentheses, because what I was going to say totally ties into this, which I, I mentioned before, that when I, the night I met you at that karaoke, yeah, my impression of you was sort of a... A small dude yeah. singing with a mellow voice, a little mellow song. Right. So I had this very like kind of almost delicate impression of you. And certainly I, if, if interviewed, I'd probably be like, yeah, he's probably a little shorter than me. Maybe we're the same height, but he's a small dude, you know. <laughs> it was just crazy. And then, yeah, so I probably was shocked at some point. I'm like, wait a minute. Well, no, that You're was so, so there was that. But the, 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 the tall thing was, I think, maybe a year or two ago. Yeah. We, I, I, maybe we were like standing next to each other taking a selfie or something uh-huh. and you just like kind of looked at me and you're like you're a lot taller than me yeah. actually and and I'm surprised too because like if <laughs> before that moment if you just would have asked me I would have said oh Umberto's probably just like slightly shorter than me but you're there's times I'm 5'11 you're two inches right. taller <laughs> and that can actually kind of show sometimes yeah. you know what I mean anyway but yeah so I was recently at a wedding and um, one of my friends, uh, Taryn, you know her, yeah. she just looks at me and she's, and maybe Omid too. They're just like, whoa, you're, you're actually kind of tall. Yeah. Like when you stand up straight <laughs> and, and all I'm doing in the moment is I'm just standing up straight. Right. And I think a lot of times I just hold myself kind of small. I think because in grade school, in middle school, I was trying to, trying like, to fit in. I was trying to fit in literally. Yeah. It's crazy. All right. Let's take a break and we get back. <laughs> we'll talk about more embarrassing things. What do you say? Let's do it. All right, we're back from the break. I'm throwing out opportunities to people. If they want to volunteer to the podcast or be an intern, let me know. Email us at contact at psychologyinseattle.com. We're starting to work with a few people on some exciting side projects. Um, What we're looking for are people who can do things for the podcast. Um, There would potentially be an internship process. Essentially, you wouldn't get paid in the beginning. But maybe you'd get paid in the future if you kind of proved your worth, so to speak. Um, I, 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 I just want to 
see what we can do by involving more people. Um, if you just want to do something small, like you're just like, look, I just have this one idea or I, I want to help out with your website for an hour or something like I, I, I'd love for that obviously to have the free labor, but also like getting fresh perspectives, other ideas, Um, dry cleaning. We, um, you know, the, the podcast is mainly just me. Almost everything about the podcast, um, is me sitting down on my computer and trying to solve a problem. Right. And I do not have expertise in a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but I've had to get a minimal level of expertise, uh, to make it passable. And, uh, you know, uh, so my guess is, is you've seen some of those, uh, shaky areas in the podcast and you probably are like, I could do better than that. And if you're interested, let me know. Also, um, there are different tiers on Patreon, so you know you can prove your worth even more so by going up the tiers, and you get different swag. But it's also, an MMO. but also we, you know, it just feels nice to see people like going, ah, oh, you know what? I'll I'll bump up to another tier. Uh, tweet Umberto at Psych Zero Berto, and do people ever tweet you? Yeah, I, I in fact I uh, was shocked the other day. I, I posted a couple of great puns. And uh, a couple of people actually like them. <laughs> and watch his YouTube channel, Psycho Birdo. Uh, he hasn't posted anything recently. Not recently. But um, I'm hoping that There's he does. There's content coming. Uh, what's your next topic? So I told you, I think, uh, so I have one video uh, queued up about the 80s cartoons. And then my very next one is going to be about, uh, I think I'm, it, it's comic books, but specifically a couple comic books that I like. Okay. So not that broad. Email us if you have trouble with the premium feed. If you want access to our archive, our older episodes, you got to go to our website. And you can actually access the premium episodes there, too, if you use the password. Join us on Discord uh, Thursdays at 2. I might also do YouTube Live in the future. That might be fun. Um, Also, if you want to talk to me or us, uh, use my email, contact.psychologyandshadow.com or contact us on the website. My favorite place to contact us is on the website because it asks all the appropriate questions that I need to know from you, like whether or not I can read the email on the podcast and all that kind of stuff. Um, And, of course, become a patron. And join us uh, on Facebook and Instagram. Um, uh, Berto and I post a lot of things on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Interesting things, also questions and polls and you know, we don't post a lot of stuff, but I think when we do, it's... it's. I don't uh, always post on Facebook, but when I do, I prefer Dos Equis. Uh, what invention that doesn't exist would you love to have to make your life easier or more pleasant, Umberto? Perma sunblock. Ooh. Because, you know, like, I believe in wearing a thin coat of organic sunblock. You know, not too much, then definitely not a lot of the chemical-rich stuff. Is that just mud? Uh, mud, basically, yeah. But the problem is, like, you always got to apply it, and then you sweat, or you get wet, or you go in the pool, or the thing and stuff. I wish there was a thing I could inject, or I could swallow, or something, where it's like, you're done, son. You've been protected. Interesting. <laughs> For me, I want a way to end low-flow faucets and toilets. 
I grew up at a time when there was a shit ton of flow. <laughs> and now there's no flow. No flow. <laughs> uh, our, my faucet just went out in the kitchen. And I was actually really looking forward to replacing it because uh-huh. it's like, oh, I, I get a new faucet, new right. functionality. You know, it doesn't have that some like weird mold kind of that you can't really clean out of the thing. Right, you know? right. And I installed the new faucet and quickly realized that the old faucet must have been before the low flow situation. Oh, no. And here's the thing. Seattle is not suffering from a water shortage. Right. We have a lot of water. Now, right. we can't just willy-nilly you know, dump it out of the, you know, the well, but we have enough water to allow for my kitchen sink to have proper flow. (laughs) I turn on my kitchen sink now and it is depressingly (laughs) low flow. (laughs) Yeah. It's so unsatisfying. And I'm also really tired of toilets because not to be crude here, but I have to flush like five times. Flush, 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 flush. Yeah. Now that's just when you're peeing. (laughs) Now, I'm not, I don't want to necessarily go back to the massive flow toilets they had when when I was a kid. My my parents actually had one of those toilets until rather recently. Where it's like, oh, well, not only that, but you're looking in the bowl of the toilet and it's, it looks like gallons of water in that thing. And so I'm not saying that, but not so little flow that uh, it doesn't actually doesn't do work. The job, right. It doesn't work. Now, <laughs> we, we definitely need to, as Americans, switch to uh, the standard that all the other countries seem to be doing around the world where you have one button for pee and you have another button for poo. Right. Um, but we, you know, need to make it work, people. Like we have the capability and, uh, and making someone flush five times is not saving water. Right. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. It's, it's controversial, but you're right. (laughs) Uh, what other invention? Uh, okay. So the other invention I would love is airplanes that are comfortable and that are quiet. Oh, well. And that are. Would you, how much extra would you pay? Oh, a lot. I'll pay. Three times as much. Really? Yeah. So a plane ticket from here to LA, two hundred fifty bucks. I'll pay a thousand dollars. Really? Yeah. You would, especially if they because oh. they they have that. It's called business class. Yeah, but it's the same. Okay. Well, I, first I, I class. will say like when when Virgin America was still flying, that was the closest I came because I used to go to uh, San Francisco quite often, and I would fly in. I would upgrade to first class for how much? For like. 80 bucks one time. Well, uh, right. 50 bucks another time. Yeah. And then, and but, but first my class point, was awesome. Well, so I actually legitimately want to know this <coughs> question to the market, not only you, but like yeah. people, because I feel like most people really hate how uncomfortable yeah. an airplane is. Right, right, right. And I also feel like most people hate having to pay extra for things on airplanes. This is fair. Like, like I'll be like, the exit row or the bulkhead will be like 50 bucks more. And I'm like, a flight from here to New York, 50 bucks uh, on a trip that I'm going to spend thousands of dollars? Right, right, right. That's worth it to me. Yeah. Like 50 bucks so I can get a little bit more sleep, a little bit more comfort, and I'm not having someone like bang me with their, you know, with their seat. (laughs) Uh, and I find that with the amount of 
uh, discomfort and hatred people have for airplanes, they're at the same time, they would be caught dead paying 50 extra dollars for just a little extra comfort. That's the problem. You're right. That there's not a lot of me. There's a lot of everyone else. So you, you and I are like this. We, yeah. we don't, you'll pay, you'll pay the I'll 50. Pay extra. So it's probably an exaggeration to say I would pay a thousand dollars to go to San Francisco, but I would pay 50 extra bucks, even a hundred extra bucks. You know, would you pay double? Depending on what double means. Like, if you mean uh, that I have to pay 500 bucks each trip, maybe, yes. Would, would you pay double to get your own three-row seat? Three-row seat. I guess it's, you know, a part of it is the leg space. Oh. The... Would you pay double... The food or, you know... Really, the food? Well, because, like, the food has been reduced to, like... Have you traveled to Alaska recently? Yeah. It's like... It's been bad. There's all no food. Are, all there's no food, but you can order, like, tapas or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, that's you can order it. It's like yeah. fifteen dollars. Yeah, so you'd pay a hundred dollars to get fifteen dollars. <laughs> yeah, food when I was a kid on airplanes, I loved it. See, I feel like this is this is another complaint I have about when people complain about airplanes is that they want it to be super cheap. Yeah, and they'll buy you know they'll look at Expedia and they'll buy tickets that are literally five dollars cheaper. Yeah. Because it's five dollars cheaper, and then they complain that their experience isn't. You know, that <laughs> yeah. the air the airlines are meanwhile trying to get that price down that five bucks, and yeah. guess what they got to get rid of? Yep. leg room and meals, it's true. and we and, work against our best interests there. Yeah, and and the problem is is that the upgrades are so much more expensive. Yeah, I wish I wish there was an in between, like yeah. the the first five rows in uh coach were another f- just another foot of leg yeah. room like that's all i would need right um being a tall person right, i have to right, say right. like it's not easy <laughs> um we've talked about it before oh by the way gripe of wrath yeah which i guess this is kind of an extended gripe of wrath. i'm sitting there on the airplane the other day and i'm playing a video game on my phone now, because I have an iPhone 10, the plug for the power is also the plug for the headphone. So I got to make a decision. Yeah. And because I was running low on power, I had to plug in the, the power. So I turned down the volume to basically two little lines. Oh, where, no. Where I, I couldn't hear it. Oh. I, I couldn't hear it. You know, I just turned it down to two little lines. But the audio for this game wasn't that important to me. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there playing. And the lady that was sitting two seats over from me, meaning same seats, but there's no one in the middle, and she's sitting in the aisle. I'm sitting there playing. And then at one point, she goes, do you, do you mind putting your headphones in? Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, no, not, not at all. And of course, I can't, but I'm just going to turn the sound off. But I, I say inquisitively, I'm like, wow, you must have really good hearing. Cause, and I'm about to say, because I, I couldn't even hear it. But she must think I was. She must have thought I was being snippy because she goes, "Yes, I do. I'm a musician." <laughs> <laughs> and she's this older lady. She was like in her maybe late sixties, and then I could and tell I would she's, say, "And I don't. I'm a musician." <laughs> yeah, I almost thought, but I just let it slide. But I thought, look, of course I'm going to turn it down. I'm sorry you could hear. I'm embarrassed yeah, you could hear. I I hate that. <laughs> I, that that that. That happened to me recently too. I, I won't go into the details because I don't want to. But it was a similar thing where someone called me out on something in public, 
And <laughs> I instantly was like, oh, my God, I'm right. terribly sorry. And I said something like that. I was just, yeah. I was like, I, if I knew that I was right. bothering you, I would have not right. done it. I'm really sorry. Yeah. And she instantly comes back at me and she, and with more attitude. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> I just told you I agree with yeah, you. Yeah. Like, why are you being a dick? Why are you? It's like people get into this dick mode. Right. And they they can't switch out of it. Right. And maybe she was anticipating this. They, right. Oh, this so, little... well, I guarantee you what was happening was she's sitting there and the speaker was pointing or right, whatever. Right, right, where, And it was bothering her and it was building and it was Because if it was me, it would have bugged the shit right. out of me too. I probably wouldn't have said anything. And I honestly, honestly, I couldn't hear it and probably because yeah. of the position or whatever. Yeah. So I actually thought there's no way anyone else could hear right. it. Right, which is totally innocent mistake. But <laughs> but she's sitting there. She doesn't know that. Right. She's just like, this fucking Yahoo... <laughs> Yeah, it's playing this thing. Now, what I would have done on an airplane, which I do, is I just put my own headphones on and I can't hear a fucking thing. Right. You know? But she's sitting there as a musician. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it's, she's slowly burning, raging, right. right? And she's like, okay, well, maybe he'll stop. And you're, yeah. and you're just playing it more yeah, and more and right. more. And she's like, fuck, I got to say something to this guy. Yeah, right, right. Oh God! Okay, you know, and yeah. how many times? You, right, and you're right. probably like the thirtieth person who she's experienced like this, and you're the first person she right. said anything to. <laughs> so she says something, and then you're like, "Oh wow, you must have really good hearing." It's like, "Yeah, yeah I'm a I, musician." Yes, I do. I'm a musician. <laughs> so another invention that would make my life extremely easier and more pleasant is voice text on my computer. So actually, Berto, do you remember making a bet about this not too long ago? About what? That there would be voice text on computers? Yeah, that it would be ubiquitous. You you and I made a bet that within a short amount of time that keyboards would as- on every device would essentially be, if I remember right, and I could remember, and obviously it's recorded on the podcast, so mm-hmm. there's an actual empirical <laughs> thing of this. But from my memory, it was you were saying... Because your argument often is the progress of technology is faster, and my <laughs> argument is often um, more like, well, we'll see, and I'm right. I'm not holding my breath that these things are going to happen in a, right, in a right, rapid right. pace. Um, and I think we were talking about AI and that right, kind of right. stuff. And you were saying that you and I made a $1 bet, if about I remember. voice to text? Yeah. Um, and at the time, phones had it, but yeah. you were saying no one would even. There would be zero keyboards, and I. And uh, anyway, well, so so the one thing is, I, I probably wouldn't have said zero keyboards because me myself, I I can't stand not having a keyboard because I type so fast compared to how I speak or whatever. But what I probably said without it, mistakes, I I type really well without mistakes. I type really well. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm pretty good, but I thought I was the best. In the but world. I also remember I type all day long. Like I was making a joke, but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I type all day long. So do I. Okay, well, but, but I, you I, talk a lot more. Like you talk a lot. You know, you true. Well, yeah. whatever. The point is, for me, I couldn't live without a keyboard. But so what I probably said was something along the lines of like, yeah, pretty soon everyone will be using voice to text or something. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which a lot of people are, and in China, it's very common. But I was asking you to. Uh, nail down the exact timeline uh-huh. and I think we said three years and right. it was, we're probably approaching that date and you were saying and I was like okay at what metric is like mo- you're like most people 
will be most of the time using voice text. So I think I won the bet. I'm not quite sure. If that's we'll, the bet, then you won it. We'll have to go back to yeah. the archive. to Go to, to the tape. So if anyone out there knows that bet or even knows what episode, I right. think it would have been two and a half years ago. Because in my head, I know where we were recording. I mean, what I will say is I've been skeptical from the start about, because I hated the idea, you know, when Connect came out. Yeah. One of the big selling features, like, you don't no longer have to worry about where your remote control is. And, and I, I didn't buy any of that. I'm like, I'm not going to talk to my Xbox. That's dumb. Yeah. I will say that I have been converted to talking to Siri all the time. Right. It's just so funny that Microsoft often comes out with things. Right. That are actually quite, you know, cutting edge, right. but they don't nail it right. the way other people do. But like, even like they came out with a Palm Pilot, right. and then Apple comes out with. But even with that, I will say I, we still use remote controls for everything. Yeah, and like, like you know, you probably use remote controls when you're turning on your Xbox. You probably use remote controls. But I, I have an Apple TV. I use remote control with the Apple TV. But I bet you anything in two years, two or three years, they'll because at this point, like. I use the voice commands on my on my remote control, uh-huh. like Modern Family, you know, or something, yeah. or Netflix, because I actually I actually don't know how to get to Netflix right. other than the voice command. But I but if I use Plex or if I use YouTube or something, like I don't know how that works, and so I have to navigate. The other thing is is when you're anyway. The point is is that I love my voice command on my phone. Like uh-huh. when I text, I, I'm I'm one of those people that talks the text because okay. i'm 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 pretty good uh typer on a regular computer keyboard uh-huh. but on a phone i am dismal yeah i'm literally i i hold the phone in my hand with my left hand uh-huh. and i use my pointer finger on my right hand <laughs> to type out the text and uh, there are sometimes when i have pretty lengthy texts right. that need to be said or emails on my phone and I will talk it out. And the Android Pixel phone, Does a the, good job. the voice command is yeah. so good, especially if you know how to articulate yeah. and use command words like period and, right. and semicolon and exclamation point and smiley face or whatever. And I – now every, I don't know, 25th word, I have to manually go in there and change it. But it's so <laughs> much faster. I love it. And – have My, you tried Cortana and it doesn't work as well? Is that the Yeah, Cortana is shit. Uh, so one, it the so it claims it can, you know, read your voice and so you open a Word doc or you open an email. Right. And you put your cursor in that thing and then you and then you have to click a button, okay, uh-huh. fine, that says start listening. And you start talking and it it listens for a while before oh. it starts to type. So the thing about my uh, Pixel phone is, right. as I'm saying it, it's it instant. Typing. It's like a, a like a split second after I say yeah. the word, it's typing it. And because I think that there's an algorithm in there that's like, I bet you he's going to say this word next. Yeah, you know, and, and it gets to know your voice anyway. And I've actually done that with Cortana, and and I and I I don't know. It's the Windows voice voice system thing, voice type thing, and. I configured it. It actually made me go through like 25 minutes of talking <laughs> to like get to know my voice. Right. And sometimes I'll say like two sentences and I'll say like, what the fuck? And then it'll lag and then boom, it'll type the whole thing out and then it'll say, what the fuck at the end? <laughs> There's, you know, 
<laughs> it takes longer to right. say it and to wait for it than it would be for me to type it. Right. Um, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> my desktop computer is so much faster than my phone. Like the power of my desktop computer right. <laughs> is, it's got to be, I don't know, in terms of processing speed, memory, everything, it's yeah. way faster than my phone. Totally. And yet my phone is whiz-bang. It's because, so at, at Google, in the case of the Pixel, they have teams that are building on-the-chip machine learning to deal with stuff like that, whereas the, the folks at Microsoft that are writing software into Windows, it just runs in software on the CPU, and it's not been a focus for them for as many years. And oh. Well, that's unfair to say. They've been after a speech forever, but they, they haven't... Not in the as, same way. Yeah, yeah. So I think... So, so what they need to do is they need to come out with a, a desktop a motherboard chipset that has these yeah. has the at least the same capabilities right. of a pixel phone right 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 like like apple it would be easier for apple to tackle this on a desktop than microsoft because microsoft doesn't produce its own or an xbox like an xbox they could go after that scenario m- more well you know? and i i googled <laughs> and i looked and i tried to find and the other thing i was thinking was well there's a way even though it's probably not allowed by software or connections for me to talk into my phone yeah. and have it communicate to my desktop and start typing into my desktop maybe a little <laughs> bit of true. a lag but there's a way that to might make, be better for you there's a way to make that connection yeah. but of course that doesn't exist because no one gives a fuck about me <laughs> um uh, you know because c- this was actually one of the things on discord was that I was getting it was so much labor of me typing these responses on Discord when people were asking me questions. I was like, "There's got to be a way for me to just talk these responses so I can get through them faster." Right. Because on Discord, there's dozens of people asking me questions at the same time, and I'm trying to answer all of them. <laughs> and I could if I c- could speak it, but I can't anyway. So, you know, I'm sure in five years that'll be available. But I kind of <laughs> feel like an answer me this, Bruno. Developers, hardware, software are completely not paying attention to desktop computers. Definitely a true sentiment. <laughs> like they're paying attention to phones, right? And and, and uh, kind of laptops. And, and well, the new hot thing is home devices, like Alexas and things like that. Yeah, right. Uh, a, a fifty dollar Alexa thing, right, has the capability to understand voice commands better than my right. desktop right, does. Right. <laughs> and I, there's nothing. There's not a. There's not a thing i can buy right for my desktop to to allow me to do that there's not like an extra card i can buy or something not literally like that no no and that and i feel like desktop my desktop is the same configuration of right. a desktop like 15 years ago just a little faster yeah and i feel like there's something wrong with that picture yeah there is <laughs> because there's a there's a place for desktops so, yeah, part of the thing is, like, your CPU is not well-suited for running machine learning, but your graphics card is. Uh, so, you know, they could write more software that's just running on the on the graphics card. But whereas on, on the, like I said, on phones, they're starting to put dedicated machine learning chipsets that just run the little machine learned uh, models. And they run them really efficiently. And they can get reinforced by additional data. And it doesn't use as much battery, and it doesn't use as much, you know, power, and it's just really efficient. Huh. 
And if they put the same effort into and, and hey, for all I know, the new because Apple just announced new computers. For all I know, they're now starting to deal with computers. But the Windows PC you buy today is not optimized like that. Right. It's got an amazing graphics card that'll blow anything on a phone out of the water. Right. Yeah. And the CPU is certainly fast, and it's got way more RAM. You could, but it's not optimized for, for that. Yeah. For you know, the other thing. It, it, Explain this to me. So when I install software on my phone, it takes, no joke, 10 seconds. I want an app. <laughs> I click on right. it. It, it. it downloads. It, it installs. And in 10 seconds, I'm using the app. You're using an app. On the desktop, which has a f- way faster connection to the internet yeah. and a way faster processor and, you know, Tons of memory. I mean, obviously, we're talking about hard drives, which slow it down a and little bit. Well, what's the kind of app? Like, if it's a big, like, Photoshop or Premiere, that's a huge app. Well, I'm just talking about any app. I, I can't think of right. a single app yeah. on my desktop where it would take me 10 seconds to download and install. Right. Well, even the fact that there's just not... It's not like there's a lot of cool, why is that? useful, small apps that you can download for your computer. You know? But if, I bet you anything, if you found the identical code... For your desktop, there's probably apps out there where, like OneNote or something, uh-huh. for your phone and for your desktop, it's the same. Yeah. it's the same thing, but probably different versions. I'm guessing. Right. But why does it take me five minutes on the yeah. desktop? But well, five because seconds- it's not just the download time; it's the installation and configuration. Sometimes it even has to reboot. And but well, obviously, the phone has to the, go through those same right, steps. But the phone has been like so. Uh, a better example. I mean, it's so fast on the phone. Right. So a better example is maybe if you compare it to a console, like a a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox X, uh, Xbox One or Xbox One X, because those now have the ability. Now, these are massive sized games usually, but they have the ability that you don't even have to download the whole thing before you can start playing. You can start downloading, and at some point, maybe 10% of the way in, you can start playing the game. And they've done all sorts of optimizations so that that's possible. On phones... You know, usually the the sizes are smaller, and they have uh, made it so that, uh, it, like, usually you don't have to download everything, install it, reboot the phone, do a whole bunch of steps like that. It really is available as soon as the download is done. There's no additional installation. But it seems like they would figure. Could out- you do that? Absolutely, you could do that on a. But on they a just don't. They haven't. No, because they think we don't care or something. Well, yeah, the Windows model is quite antiquated, right? And so Windows 10, they tried to do all their their Windows Store, but it's not really like the App Store yet or anything. Because Google actually came out with a laptop that is like a Pixel. Um, It's not the Chromebook. It's something else. Mm -hmm. And... The Pixel Book. Pixel Book. Yeah. And I was thinking about getting... Have you you heard of those? Have you used them? I have not used them, but I know know of them. Because I was thinking about getting one of those because... I I really like my Pixel phone, and I, I mm. wonder if it's better. Anyway, another question from Famous Patron Linden. What is a product which is supposed to solve a problem, but it doesn't? When you buy it, you realize it's worse than useless. <laughs> this is going to be somewhat controversial. Magazines. Okay. So every time I travel, going back decades, really, every time I travel in the airport, I go to the airport and it's a ritual of mine to go to a little newsstand and buy some magazines for the trip. And every time I get so excited, I'm like, oh, because that's the what only you, time I buy magazines. What do you grab, like National Geographic? Right? Well, so I used to buy, I, the, uh, staples for me used to be 
Uh, Scientific American. Yeah. Discover. Money. Popular Science. Uh, not so much, but I've got a couple of those. Uh, men's Health. Uh, I would usually grab maybe an Entertainment Weekly. Men's Health. Yeah, Men's Health. And then uh, my re- uh, the sort of like the vis- the vices were like the car and driver or road and track and. The worst of the vices car was... Car and driver? Yes, yes, yes. You do not seem like a yes. car and driver Well, guy. I grew up being a car and driver kind of magazine reader, and I'm just not the kind that buys the cars. But And then the last one that is the real vice is the Rob Report. What's that? It's essentially like a magazine full of 90% full of ads for the wealthiest individuals, and the rest of it is articles about the things that the wealthiest individuals would want. Oh. And so it's complete garbage. Oh. But... My feeling has always been like, oh, I, I'm going to fly, and so I should treat myself. And I get so excited, and I go pick out the magazines. I'm like, oh, look at this one. But inevitably, once I get on the plane, I'm like, all right, pull out the first magazine. I'm like, flip, 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 flip. Boring, flip, boring, flip, boring. Flip, flip. And it's like, first of all, tons of ads, tons of ads. And then when you get to the one article that seems interesting, <laughs> and so you maybe have to read that. Then you're done with that magazine. Next. Flip, 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 flip. What'd you buy last time? Okay, so last time I flew, I bought... Um, oh, by the way, I've stopped buying Scientific American and Discover. because Scientific just got, American has a lot of good stuff in it. Well, when I was a kid, there was no more awesomer magazine to me than Scientific American. Um, but I just kind of stopped because... Um, I deal with so much of that kind of content in my day-to-day life, like science content or, or tech content or stuff, that I want other stuff. Hmm. So I bought uh, Entertainment Weekly that was about the Game of Thrones cast and finale and okay. stuff. So that was flip, flip, <laughs> flip? Yes. Because most of the stuff is still bullshit about actors and actresses and things. And then I got to the Game of Thrones part and I kind of read that one and then the rest was flip, 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 flip. Yeah, they have a way of sucking you in. You know, they'll be like... These actors, these, act- these actors reveal things that they they never right. did before, or they'll have some other catchy phrase, and you're just right. like, man, I gotta know that shit. That's right. And then you read it, and it's nothing. It's nothing. It's one sentence in a whole article. It's just a bunch of words oh that you already know. Right. And then I also bought uh, the latest Wired. That was oh, that was a flipathon. Oh. And I used to love Wired. Wired, and every now and then they still have some good articles. Anyways, it well, was I flip- bet you anything. Part of the problem is magazines are not lucrative. Right, right. And they just have to fill it with ads. Yep, yep. And not with content. And they can't pay journalists to spend nope. 10 <laughs> weeks on a story anymore. No, no. So I wonder if that's the problem. That's, I'm, I guarantee you that's part of the problem. And then part of it is also that <clears throat> my attention is low for things that are mildly interesting. And a lot of it, the content is only mildly interesting. So what video game do you play on your phone? Oh, on my phone, actually, this was an oldie that I used to play, and I recently started playing it again. It's called Field Runners, and it's a tower defense game. Oh. I played it like 10 years ago, and then I was playing it again recently. Yeah, I like I like. <coughs> I've gotten into a couple of tower, tower games. Um, for me, uh, it's meta pop screens. So you and I, Birdo, oh, yeah. are talking on microphones. <laughs> And we have pop screens. If you don't know what pop screens are, they're that foamy black thing or some that, that sort of, it's like a sock that goes over the microphone or sometimes there'll be a pop screen <laughs> that will be um, outside of the microphone, like, like a mesh uh, 
membrane that is suspended away from the microphone. Sometimes just, and I have those kinds of pop screens. I've had all sorts of pop screens. I've had metal pop screens. Right. They do not work well enough. They work better than is if you had none on, but I'm going to demonstrate right now. I have a pop screen and I'm going to pop directly into the microphone. And you are now getting, you're getting a crap ton of popping because there's apparently nothing that they can do to popping. And the thing is, is it seems like it would be possible, but it must not be because they would have invented something. I Um, I apologize about the popping. Yeah. Perdonanos. Yeah. So, uh, now, it, scientifically, it makes sense because in order for a microphone to pick up on the sound waves, there has to be an air passage to the, or at least a, a, the movement of air has to occur. Now, if I, if I put like a, a complete barrier between me and the microphone, then uh, it would be muffled. Right. You, it, would, it would sound like I was in another room. And then you would get no puffs, but I'd be close to the microphone, but it, it wouldn't sound very good. Um, but, uh, uh, so, yeah, so the most they can do is attenuate the puff. Right. To, to like yeah. a, like a, like a muffler on a, on a car, you know, you can't get rid of the exhaust coming out or the noise. You can just sort of make it a muffle. Yeah. So because as a podcaster and a singer, Puffs are the bane of my existence. You know, Birdo, <laughs> when you puff onto a microphone, you probably never hear it. When I'm editing it, I hear, I hear them, and it really gets on my nerves. Right. You know? And um, we, we, you and I, and I've directed you on various different techniques, and we're actually using – been, we've been podcasting for 11 years. I, I directed Umberto to use a brand-new microphone technique, uh, even though he's been using the same microphone for, like, I don't know, seven years. Uh, because I'm I'm still trying to find the optimal mic placement and pop screen thing and like mouth placement and it it just drives me crazy. I just wish there was some you know they call it a pop screen, yeah. Uh, and you buy it and it's like doesn't really work. <laughs> I, that's a good one, and it's true. I've had the same frustrations. What about you? Uh, another object that uh, you want to buy it, you were really excited about but it's always worse than useless, <laughs> is, um, so do you like ice cream? Love ice cream. Like, what's your favorite flavor? Pralines and cream. Oh, actually, I love pralines and cream. But I have wanted ice cream of exotic flavors. As you know me, I usually go for weird flavors or things or combinations. So when I'm at a store and I, I get super excited when they have weird flavors of ice creams. There's this one place in, I think out in Blaine or something, and they have these amazing ice creams, right? Blaine by the border? Yeah. Of Canada? Yeah. Oh. And anyways, and so like I usually, if I go to an ice cream place and I see that they got weird flavors, I usually like get really excited. Well, did you ever go to that place in Vancouver, Canada? It had like 200 flavors of gelato. I don't know. Did I ever go there with you? It was at Hastings, I think. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah. But but the problem is usually when I go for the really weird flavors, they're usually very disappointing. And then I regret not having gotten like Merriam Berry or something. Yeah. And it's like my wasted ice cream, you know, and I guess I'm not going to like throw it away. That's so wasteful. Yeah. I had a similar uh, path when I went through a Cold Stone phase. Remember Cold Stone? Mm -hmm. So for those of you who don't know Cold Stone... 
it's a place you go to and and they they grab a bunch of ice cream and they put it on a cold stone a cold right. slab of marble and then you ask for a bunch of mix-ins right like Kit Kat bars and and peanut butter and fudge and and then they mix it all up but not entirely gummy bears <laughs> yeah they sort of they sort of mash it together it's basically right. you're adding your own chunks to your ice cream and then they put it in a giant chocolate cone thing and you They're eat massive. it and it's it's beautiful and i had a ton of those back in the day and at first i was like ooh i get to choose my own ice cream i get to choose right. my own mix-ins and i i would make my own concoctions and then at a certain point i think i got lazy and i just ordered one of the concoctions on the board that the you know that they suggest right that was closest to the sort of thing i would order it was some kind of peanut butter chocolate thing and when I ate it, I was like, this is a hundred times better than anything I ever, uh, <laughs> I ever created. Right, right, And right. I thought, well, of course, they... Because they figured out the right balance. Yeah, but that's how I think. It's like, well, I'm yeah. not going to use their suggestions. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think in general what it is is I tend to like things that are outside of the norm when it comes to a lot of things. But the problem is that the norm is there for a reason. Usually the norm is there because... A, it works well a lot of the time or a lot of people like it or whatever. So, you know, a really good vanilla actually tends to be really good. Right. So anyway, so that, that's something that I've noticed sometimes. When, when was a time you were incredibly naive about something or idealistic and are now mildly embarrassed thinking about it? These are great questions by famous very Richard good, Very I would not say mildly embarrassed. I'm highly embarrassed. Um, so when I was a kid and a teenager... I was incredibly naive and idealistic about the process of wooing someone to go out with you. <laughs> and so in my mind, because I had watched movies, especially 80s movies, wooing was like this thing that was like this big performance you had to put on. And trench coat and a trench boom, coat and and a boom and box. Boom box. And, and the point was that it didn't matter how hot the girl was or how low opinion of you she had or anything <laughs> with the right combination of moves and like process yeah. you would woo her yeah and so i just have to <laughs> i just have to chime in and maybe you're done is that this is funny and also kind of tragic cuz a right. lot of a lot of women out there and i think men too but it's i think this is more of a heterosexual thing for men against women is that there's a number i i've heard women tell me stories about how they will, they'll go on a date with a guy or something, and they'll be like, eh, did, you know, it wasn't really sparks there. And the guy will, on the second date, or like, just show up at her work mm -hmm. with... To woo her. With flowers and a boombox right. and, <laughs> you know, promises of, I got tickets for us to go to San Francisco or something. And the woman's like, uh, <laughs> what? Right. And, and the guy is thinking... What? What? That's what I got to do, right? Like, shouldn't you? I, I did all the things, right? You're supposed to say yes. That's how I even got a teddy bear. Yeah. So I think <laughs> it's, it's it's both funny to your situation, but it's also it's also tragic. Tragic. Well, and actually, it it actually harmed my ability to go on dates when I was starting high school because what happened is I moved I moved you know when I was 15, and in my mind I couldn't just like ask a girl out, I, if I was going to go down that road, I had to be prepared 
for this monumental thing, right? So like I had friends that were girls and, and but but when I thought of like should I ask this girl out? Where did you get that, do you think? I I I, I just I think it's movies and and TV and I think because I and I was certainly it be, was it a function of being in Colombia and seeing a lot of American movies or was it just probably would you have done it to Colombian girls? As, oh, I did it to Colombian girls when I was in junior high. Oh, but when I did it and it didn't work so well or it took too long or it was like just weird. Like as an example, one of my most successful relationships when I was in junior high was a long distance phone exclusively almost phone only relationship. And I didn't have to work hard at all to get that relationship. One day I was playing at my cousin's outside. We were playing like tag or something. And her neighbor's sister shows up or half sister. And she's gorgeous, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God. But I think I said like one word to her, maybe two words. And I was playing tag and stuff. Next thing I know, I hear like secondhand through my cousin that she liked me. And I was like, oh, I liked her too. But she lives like way the hell away. And I'm not in an age where I can go and visit or anything. So we start, we get the number, the phone number, and we start a phone number or a phone relationship. And this gets super intense. We talk for hours every night for like months, like serious business, like girlfriend. What what grade are you in? I'm in like eighth grade, maybe. Oh, I thought you said second grade. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I meant... No, I don't know what I would have said, but maybe seventh I might have said, but it was like seventh or eighth. I think it was actually eighth grade. Um, and I, and again, we talked for months, like we're boyfriend, girlfriend. It might have been two or three months. And then eventually we're like trying to make plans to meet up, but like nothing works. And then eventually it just, we were like, yeah, maybe we just, and then we well, stopped talking. Well, wait, what happened to this girl? Well, uh, I saw her one more time uh, in person but by then, like, the spark was dead, and we never talked again. Oh, man. It's really sad. But my point with that one is I never had to well, lift a finger. you always have tag. I always have tag. <laughs> but I didn't have to lift a finger. Mm. Instead, there was another girl that I really liked, and I tried to pull out all the stops, and I did all the maneuvers and stuff, and that went nowhere. So then, when I moved to the States, I thought, okay... It was like this kind of conversation that would regularly happen in my head. I'd see a girl in the bus. I'm like, okay, she's cute. Maybe I should ask her out. But I'm like, all right, well, I better have a plan. Like, I got to figure out, like, the crazy, amazing dates I could take her on and all the things. And I probably have to write a song. And I probably, like, and so I would get overwhelmed. And I'm like, ah, it's too much trouble. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Meanwhile, she's just like, I hope he just says hi. Well, which is what, in fact, literally happened with one of them. That I, for a whole year, wanted to ask out, wanted to ask out, wanted to ask out. And then, oh, sorry, more than a year. It was like a year and a half. And then at the year and a half mark, when I finally asked her out, she's like, oh, I thought you'd never ask, you know? And, yeah. and I was just like, why was I waiting? It's dumb. But, but again, I just had this vision in my head of this amazing process I would have to go through yeah. to woo a girl. So... What I was incredibly naive about and then realized and I'm now embarrassed about are uh, two things that I'll mention. One is kind of a thing that I think a lot of people share, which is that I believed that the Internet would solve all of our problems. I didn't think it was going to create a complete utopia, but I thought it would help democracy. I thought it would 
help small businesses. <laughs> I thought it would help the marginalized, and I guess it has to some extent. I thought it would eliminate loneliness uh, to a good degree, and um, it has uh, basically done no of those, none of those things and made some of those things worse in a way that I really did not think would happen. I thought the truth will win, and facts will win. And the only reason why people believe in pseudoscience and silliness and prejudice is because they don't have the facts. And once they're exposed to Wikipedia, it'll solve out that problem. And what uh, I realized and all the sociologists realized was that motivated reasoning and echo chambers, no, no bounds. Uh, so I don't know how embarrassed I am about it because I feel, feel like a lot of people believed that at the time. And, um, and I think it was rational, I think, on some level to believe it. But uh, it's certainly something I feel like I was incredibly naive about. The second thing is that f- to this day, I still naively believe to some extent, not as much as I used to, that when I'm in conflict with someone or when I see people in conflict, that a very quick turn to honesty, authenticity, and leveling with someone will solve it. This was something that I believed. Someone, you have beef with someone at work that you can tell there's tension. Um, And maybe you can even identify a conflict that you were in Mm -hmm. uh, in the past. And I just have this naive belief that if I just go to that person and I just level with them and I'm just like, look, you know, Jane, I, uh, I just want to tell you that uh, I feel tension between us and I don't like that. I don't know what to do about it. Um, I don't know if it's your fault. I don't know if it's my fault. Um, I, I, I don't know if I really care. Right. I, if you want to talk with us, fine. But I just want to tell you that I'm on your side and I, I kind of wish we could just put whatever tension we had in the past behind us and we can move into the for- in, forward in the future and, and, um, be at least pleasant, if not, you know, close. I, I, I really genuinely want that. Um, that has worked 1% of the time in my life. <laughs> uh, wow, that's really low. <laughs> it, it's happened with you. Yeah. You and I have leveled with each other, and it's worked. Yeah. But lots of other people, and, and uh, can, you, can you guess why it doesn't work? Maybe, well, for one thing, I think... Uh, People are not necessarily uh, at the same point uh, aligned mentally or at the at the point of being receptive to that kind of conversation at the same time. Like maybe maybe if you tried it at a different time and context, it might actually do a better job. And another might be that there are underlying reasons that you can't overcome in just that in those statements. Uh, for example, I've definitely had that problem a, a couple times or a few times where I go to try to be you know, just like very honest and open with someone. And then what it turns out, I'm like, I I think this person fundamentally doesn't like me, you know? Yeah. So I uh, interpret it differently, uh, uh, slightly in that the person has a fundamental personality defensiveness issue that is quite ingrained. That is what led to the tension to begin with, because I don't have tension with most people. Yeah. They have tension with me, <laughs> and 
by me leveling with them doesn't change the fact that they have something defensive about their personality. <laughs> right. And, um, and even if they temporarily kind of pull out of it, they're going to quickly go back to it because they have, there's something about the personality that requires them to have tremendous defensiveness yeah. and distortion about me and other people. Yeah. And leveling with them isn't going to change that. Uh, last question here. Uh, what do you think of reaction videos? Man, snooze fest, I don't get them. I don't like it. I don't want to play with it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I don't watch them. They're not appealing. Uh, I'm sure for people, if you like them, that's fine. Art is art or entertainment <laughs> is entertainment. But honestly, they almost always seem fake to me. Well, this, this, yeah. I mean, like this started, for me, it started with the uh, Two Girls, One Cup. So I, I never watched the video, but I remember there were all these reaction videos. And because I didn't want to watch the video, I thought, well, maybe I'll watch a reaction video, I guess. And I watched the reaction video, and I'm like, I think the only one that I thought was mildly entertaining was Joe Rogan's reaction video. Everyone else, I was like, what? This is so boring. Is this what my life has come to? I'm watching. I'm not even watching the content they're reacting to. And now I'm watching them react to something I don't even know what they're reacting Like, no, I'm done with this. <laughs> well, actually, I take it back. There is one version of reaction video that I love, and it's Leslie Jones from Saturday Night oh, Live. you mentioned that, watching uh, Game of Thrones. Watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> watching her watch Game of Thrones is one of the funniest, most enjoyable things okay. I, I could spend Okay, I guess with. if I have... It, okay, so so one exception here, and I think you're leading to this, is... First of all, she's a funny person. So yeah. if you grab a funny person and you have them MST3K kind of commentating on anything, it might actually be entertaining. And it's not geared for clicks. It's genuine reaction. Yeah. And it's genuine enjoyment right. of something, you know. So, uh, But in general... But it just occurred to me, wait, right. I actually really like a version of this reaction. Well, like, so MST3K was a reaction movie video, or videos, you know? Yeah. Where you're watching movies, but the movies are not really the point. The point is their commentary. Right, so I guess it's... But that's there's very particular, <laughs> rare... Now, the typical <laughs> reaction video on YouTube is, you know... I filmed five people reacting to Bohemian Rhapsody, right. and they've never heard it before. Right. And and I just find, like, yeah. Well, I'll take that back. Actually, there there's another form of reaction video that I enjoy. Kids, the kids reacting to like Nirvana or something. I tried those, and I thought, so, okay, so this would have been in one of the earlier categories. It it would have been the kind of thing that I thought would have been great, and then I watch it, and I'm like, ah. Eh. I still don't care. <laughs> I mean, now, most of them are probably, or, you know, if you watch two, you're bored already. Yeah. But every month I might come across something that I think looks a little cute and, you know, watch it. Or they'll get old people to, to right. watch a Miley Cyrus video or something. But that's part of it. It's like, it's so predictable. Well, sometimes it isn't, you know. Or I guess more broadly, reaction videos like... There was one I remember watching where they had um, Korean people or maybe Chinese people would eat. Oh, yeah, it was. It was Chinese Chinese people eating Chinese American food. So, you know, they got food from a quote-unquote yeah. Chinese restaurant in like Seattle. Yeah. From a very traditional, you know, the, the chow mein and the 
Mushu pork and right, right, right. whatever. And they give this to actually Chinese people and they ask them to eat it and react to it. And that was kind of interesting. Well, but this, okay, so these are different, right? Because. But they're reaction videos. But, but it's not, so I guess what I mean is a narrower type of reaction video where you don't even see the content they're reacting to. You might know of the content. It could be you're watching late, the latest Miley Cyrus video with Wrecking Ball and they're reacting to that. And just their. <coughs> sorry the face they made or the how shocked they were or something and i just find that kind of boring yeah. even with the even with like oh is the old person gonna be shocked by the new music or are they gonna be that kind of cool older person that's like i like this this is like when i was a kid it's boring <laughs> right 99 percent of just even that category yeah. i'm sure i wouldn't like but occasionally i've seen one where the first you know, three minutes have been sl- worth my time. Right. Let's put it that way. Um, all right. Well, that was a grab bag episode, <laughs> Berto, in which It was fun. Oh, Great questions from I, the patron. I, I, I got to say one thing that I, I don't... Have we talked about, correct me if I'm wrong, on the podcast about the patron who figured out the jingle? Yes. We did talk about that. Yeah, because... Uh, on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it was... Uh... I thought it was on the podcast. Well, either way, I just want to briefly say, I don't know if I got her name. But Maybe it wasn't on the podcast. It might not have been, but... You and I definitely talked about it. Yeah. Patron Mary Ellen. Yeah. She cracked the code on the intro jingle, which some of you love and some of you hate. <laughs> but it's here to stay, people. So, you know... It's fine. I, it, it, I, since the beginning of this podcast, I wanted a jingle exactly like that. Uh-huh. And it took me 11 years to get the time to do it. Right. And it took me like 20 minutes. <laughs> and because uh, it's just me singing like a five Multiple part voices, yeah. five part harmony thing. It's actually five. I think it's five voices, nice. five diff- distinct, you know. Love it. But it's one chord of three yeah. notes. But anyway, um, so Mary Ellen guessed it that uh, some people thought it was Morse code. Some people thought it was, you know, uh, very complicated. Like one person thought. It sounded like Morse code where it would be B E A T, <laughs> like beat, and then another person thought it was uh, maybe it was T U N for tune, <laughs> and so they're really kind of. Another person said, um, "So finally, I just split it into two four four tone segments, two four tone segments, which gives X Y. Do you know what the hell this guy's talking about? X Y." So he split oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it into like, two two four tone segments, which gives X Y. Meaning gives like coordinates if you were going to draw on an X Y plane. Oh, which gives X Y, which could be relevant to your several podcasts on gender politics. Oh, never mind then. Right, he never he mind. got an X and a Y out of two All four right. tone segments. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe like because the the notes cross. Maybe over I don't know. I'm so, completely boggled by that one. But anyway, what it is, is Psychology in Seattle, if you spell it out, only has five letters that correspond to chords right. uh, or notes on a scale, which is uh, C, so S, S-E-A, and then there's an E at the end of, uh, no, wait a second, Psychology. So right. you have C, so C and then uh, G. So you have C and a G. Those are both uh, chords. And then in Seattle, you have an E, an A, and an E. So the chords are C, 
psychology. That's the G chord. And, and then that's the A, that's the E. Seattle. And right. so it's yeah, yeah, yeah. yay. Very so, cool. So it's very simple. Right. Because I don't like to be in Berto and make super complicated. <laughs> well, that was know. the part of the problem. So I, I sadly, you know how you said you kept meaning to make the jingle and you never had time. I kept meaning to go home and analyze it and de- 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 decipher it, but I never had time. But I knew from the start that it, I, I was sure that it was like the notes had something to do with it. Oh, okay. But I was expecting, I, or not expect. I was thinking, oh man. I mean, it's, I bet you it's going to be some psychology reference. It like would have taken a you Freud thing. Two seconds. I don't think so. I don't think I would have realized that it was from the letters from the oh. psychology in Seattle. You would have thought I was trying to spell something else out. Yeah, because I would have been. I, I, I probably would have definitely known the chords because that was that was the first thing I would have done is like, okay, what are the chords? So if you got C G E A E, what would you have thought? Uh, well, just even just hearing it there, I'm like, uh, Carl Jung. No, 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 no. Like some molecule or then I was going to think I was actually going to look at the line itself, like each harmony line. And I was going to analyze the ratio between each one. Of, like, but I'm like, but they're Kirk, all major. Was he going to put that much? Effort? Well, yeah, but, but you know, like depending on which, which lines you took, the, the ratios could get higher or lower, you know, from one note to the next. Okay. Cause you could go up to a fifth or a third uh, or a, okay. but anyways, I would have done a ton of stuff. I probably would have never gotten just the basics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I tricked you at your own yes. game. But I sadly didn't even get that far because I never did it. <laughs> yeah, so Patreon Mary, uh, Mary Ellen uh, was commenting on Facebook and she said, well, at first I thought maybe it was, it was you, you have the C-G-E-A-E, uh, that, right. that's just the letters of Psychology of Seattle, but that seemed too simple. So, <laughs> so I went on to other things and I was like, actually, you got That's it. Right. it. Yeah. yeah. So congratulations, Patreon Mary Ellen. You, Woo! I asked you what you wanted and you said you wanted a picture drawn by Umberto. And it is on its way. What is it going to be of? Should I say? Uh, well, I can, I can say the theme. I can say the theme. Okay. Uh, it involves my favorite comic book series. Mm. And take a picture before you send it. I did. And Just Mary like, Ellen, yeah. make sure you post it on Facebook for all yes. to see. Yes. So that does it for that rambly episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself because... You deserve it. You deserve it.